Thank you for joining us for this DP City Church podcast. Connect, grow, serve. How is everyone? All right. Hey, listen, I want to open in prayer. I know we prayed before, but let's do it again. Can never have too much prayer, right? Lord, we thank you for this morning, and I just pray over your word this morning that anything that is said from this pulpit, Lord, would go out the way you have asked it to go out. Lord, that you would bring understanding, you would bring knowledge, you would bring wisdom, but Lord, most of all, that you would change our hearts, change our minds towards you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, So this morning, I want to talk about imposter. Anybody ever heard about the game Among Us? Would you put that first graphic up, maybe? Among Us. Now, most of you, if you're over 20, probably don't know about Among Us. How many over here have played Among Us? Come on. Some of them are like, my parents don't know I play Among Us. All right, so Among Us is this game that is on your, on your computer, usually on your phone. You play on your phone. And basically what happens is you're, you're assigned a character, one of these little guys. You're assigned a character. Oh, well, not, not go back, go back. Okay, you're assigned a character. And basically what happens is you go into these rooms with other kids or other people, other Among Us people, and one of you or a couple of you are called the imposter. And the whole point of the game is that you have to act like you're just a regular person but somewhere in the game, when you're doing all these little chores in these different rooms, you have to kill somebody. And when you kill somebody, you got to act like you didn't just off somebody. And so people find out, oh my gosh, so-and-so just died. Who killed him? And then they all group together and they try to investigate who is the person, who is the imposter. And you get voted in, you get voted out, and the game, the game keep go- keeps going. You have a time limit. If you get to the end and you haven't been found out, then you've won the game. But basically, you are an imposter. You have to act like you are just somebody else. So FYI, my next one, in case you ever play, I am called Yo Mama. And that's my, that's my name. <laughs> and I am red with a plunger on my head. So if you ever want to play, youth. I think last year, was it last year in Sierra's class, you guys were playing, and I, I joined a game without them knowing. They were all trying to figure out who Yo Mama was. That was me. Yeah. All right, but here's the thing is, if you go back to the other one, it says basically the, the phrase among kids is that if you do something, you're sus. I'm like, gosh, you're kind of suspicious. You could be suspect. Like, did you really do that? And now it's like, it's not just for the game. Being sus is like part of, part of life. I'm like, you're kind of sus there. Did you really brush your teeth? Did you really make your bed? Did you really do your kind of sus? You, it's, it's a thing. But basically, it's being an imposter. It's being somebody that you say you are, but you're not really. You're kind of faking it. And this is the definition of imposter. One who passes himself off as another. And you know, it comes from a word position, to dwell, to settle, or to be at home with. So basically, an imposter is someone who passes himself off as someone else. He settles as something other. You're comfortable being something different than what you were made or intended to be. You're an imposter. You're, su- you're suspect. How many have ever been an imposter? Come on. All right. Well, the rest of you that didn't raise your hand, you're all being sus right now. You're all imposters. Come on. Come on. We've all acted one way when you feel another way. Should I say it like that? I'll say it the adult way. How many have ever acted one way when you feel like another way? You smile when you're mad, right? You wipe the tears off, you dry your eyes. Oh, no, it's just allergies when you're crying. Come on, ladies. I know how it works. I know how it works. But here's the thing. We all crave uniqueness. We all want to be different. If we didn't all want to be different, you'd all be wearing the same thing. We'd all have the same hairstyles. Outside of those of you that are bald, I ain't going bald. So you're on your own on that one. You can be unique. But, you know, we all crave this thing where we want to be something different. We want to stand out in the crowd. We want to look different, act different, talk different. Not even necessarily, I don't think we, I don't think we go at it in life as, oh, I'm just going to be different. But I think we all have that thing in us. Like, we just, we want to stand out. I mean, again, if you color your hair, you don't want to be gray. If you wear a bright outfit, if you wear different kinds of jeans or shoes, you want different shoes that nobody else has. Whatever it is, we all have a uniqueness. 
And we've actually, in our world, created superheroes. So I pulled some. How about Superman and Clark Kent? Pretty good imposter. He was a news reporter until crime hits, and he changes his wardrobe and then flies off to save people with his superpower. That's my synopsis right there. Or how about Bruce Banner, Incredible Hulk? He was a super smart scientist with a lab gone wrong that turns him into the Incredible Hulk with anger issues that likes to smash a lot of stuff. <laughs> and he turns green. That, uh, green, of all things, whatever. All right, Bruce Wayne, also Batman. He's a billionaire with a butler, drives cool cars, lives in a giant mansion. He has childhood trauma and tries to save the world at night in the dark while looking like a bat. Right, am I right? He's an imposter. Okay. How about Peter Parker or Spider-Man? He's a dorky kid, lives with an aunt and uncle, has family issues. He's bit by a radioactive spider and spins web trying to save others. How's that? An imposter. He's an imposter. You know, one of the world's most popular superheroes is Spider-Man. When I looked up the statistics, over 5 million hits or searches on Google every single month just for Spider-Man. Everyone wants to be Spider-Man. It's crazy, right? But here's the thing. He's more relatable than the others. You know, he's not, we're not all billionaires with uh, fancy cars and a butler. It'd be nice. You know, Mom, Dad, you can work on that. I don't know who the butler is. Well, you're, you're my butler <laughs> and my chauffeur for a while in my life. All right, but here's the thing is Spider-Man was a teenager. He's more relatable because he, he doesn't have a lot of money. He lives in an old house with his, or an apartment, actually, I think, with his aunt and uncle. He has family issues. He's kind of a nobody in school, kind of dorky, gets, gets teased, gets picked on. He's bit by a spider. He's not extra strong. He's just very different and unique. He's real way out of the box different. He even has to wear a mask. He doesn't get to turn into like random superhero, you know, Incredible Hulk and turn green and muscular. No, he just spins webs and tries to help people. But we all have a side to us that one way around in one group and then we're another way in another group. So like I can be in my office at school having a tense conversation with, I don't know, we'll say a student, we'll say a parent. Parents are more tense. I'm having a tense conversation with a parent and my phone will ring for school and I answer the phone and instantly I get the school voice. DP Christian School, this is Suzanne, can I help you? Even though right before that I was like, why are you doing, no, DP Christian School, right? You, you have an alternative, you're, you're trying to be good, you're trying to be professional, but you're still not being who you feel at the moment. Or how about those of you that drive to church with your spouse? Steve and I don't drive to church together, there's probably a really good reason for this, but, but how about on your way to church, you're arguing, bickering in the car, yelling at each other, and you instantly get out of the car and, oh, bless you, Frank. Oh, bless you, Sheila. Oh, God, God bless. God bless. Have a wonderful. God bless. How you doing? Oh, yeah, the week's been great. Yeah, looking for another blessed week, right? You, you bless everybody around you, everything, everybody, but when you get back in the car, you're arguing. You're being somebody totally different, which is an imposter. But there's a downside to heroism. Spider-Man, he starts out totally normal living in a normal place, average person, dorky kind of guy. Now he gets bit by a spider and pew, pew, he's spinning all sorts of webs, right? He's climbing from wall to wall. He can actually climb up buildings. Really cool stuff, right? How many wouldn't want to climb up a building? But you're not strong enough to do anything. You just can climb up and then spin webs and, I guess, encase people in them and swing from building to building. But you put him in Manhattan with all these buildings around everything around you. You can swing from one place to another, and then you take him to Ohio. <laughs> Spider-Man ain't a nobody. I mean, there's not a whole lot of trees you can spin to, and there's not many buildings. There's just a lot of farmland, and he's back to just being average Joe. There's a different side. He's an imposter. In one instance, he's this way. In another instance, he's another way. He tries to act really good and superhero, but really... If you take away his so-called powers, he's just like any one of us without all the money and fanfare. You know, society even says that famous people are unique and we should try to be like them. We should look like them. We should act like them. We should talk like them. We should even dress like them. Oh, they got some really cool clothing. I mean, gosh, if they have their, their name on the jeans, then they must be different than the ones at Walmart. I don't know. 
I doubt it, but you never know. Even People Magazine has made millions and millions of dollars just following people around taking photos. Or TMZ. Anybody ever seen the show TMZ online? It's a whole hour of just so-and-so was seen walking out of this club, or so-and-so was seen at the gas station, so-and-so was seen wearing this kind of hat, so-and-so was overheard talking blah, blah. They're just average people, but we have, we have made them in society to be something completely different. We've made this whole persona about different people. But one of the biggest lies that Satan has sold people today is that truth is tied to experience. Let me say let me say it again. The biggest lie that Satan has sold to all of us is that truth is tied to experience. Unless you can't feel it, you can't see it, you can't hear it, it can't be true. But that's a lie. So let me show you some. We've created some reality, reality TV shows so that we can be firsthand on truth and experience with them. How about Survivor? You can survive in the world doing all sorts of random things. God only knows. Hopefully you don't get hurt, you don't drown, you don't die. Or how about Big Brother? You live with others while on camera for every possible thing that you do, but it's not really a real life because you're not living with people you know. You're living with people you may or may not like, you hate, but the more drama you have, the more popular you are. How about Bachelor? One guy dates 25 women at a time. For some people, that may be real. <laughs> For most smart guys, that's a really dumb idea. How about ultimatum, marry or move on? Eh, marriage may or may not be for you. You can try it. If you don't like it, it's okay. Just move on to the next one. Or how about Next Level Chef? I love the Food Channel. I love watching how they make stuff and cook stuff. I think I'm the best chef ever. Ask my family. Doesn't happen. But I can act like it. I can pretend like it, and I can watch others. How about Teen Mom? It's okay to have a baby out of wedlock. We'll make you famous for it, show everybody how hard it is, but the glamorous side of it. You get to be on TV, you get to be popular, show everybody your babies in the cute outfit. Not real. Naked and afraid. You can live on the edge with cameras all around. Spiders, naked and afraid. <laughs> That's the only one I could show the photo of, by the way. <laughs> how, how about love it or list it? I like the HGTV channel. I like watching people sell their home, and I like seeing what everybody else's house looks like on the inside because, you know, my house is amazing, but, wow, theirs is oh, so incredible. I'm going to live through them. I get to remodel my home as though I have millions of dollars to do this, let them come and tear my house down. I don't even know where these people go to live in the meantime. They act like it happens overnight. We've had modulars for almost two years. Whatever. That doesn't happen. But the world says, unless you experience it, it can't be truth. And so we've even made these TV shows where we can experience it live with others. And so therefore, it must be true. But we don't see all the cameras and the lights and the arguing and the fanfare and everything else in the background, all the staged stuff that goes on. We don't see the real life that happens when they leave and they go home or maybe when they leave the show and they go sit in a tiny little motor home waiting for the next day where they just want their paycheck. How many... How many famous people or actors have you heard or seen that later on, years later, they say how horrible things were because you, you just don't know the drive that they make you do and things that they say, you have to say, you have to act, you have to do. They're imposters. They're acting one way while the whole time pretending as though things are okay. But the truth is still the truth whether or not you experience it. You know, I can go stick my hand in a fire, but I don't need to know that fire's going to hurt to stick my hand in there. I know the truth. Fire's going to hurt. If I go stick my body in the fire, I'm going to get burned. I don't need to experience that. I'm good. I've burned myself a few times, not on purpose. But if you need to experience that, hmm, probably shouldn't. How about gravity? We can say gravity's not real until I go to jump off the ledge and realize gravity is very much true. I don't need to experience truth to know that it's truth. I just need to know what the truth is. And as Christians, our truth is the word of God. As Christians, Jesus is the truth. God is the truth. That is, our, that is our moral compass. That's the foundation for which everything else should be made on. That's our identity. That's everything the Bible says about me is truth. Everything the world says about me, unless it, unless it matches what the word of God says, it's not truth. It's a lie. 
So what I see in my physical eyes may not always be truth. How many times have you watched a show? How many times have you watched a magic show and went, oh, they really made the elephant disappear? How did they do that? Well, I don't know. Fairly confident the elephant's still there somewhere. <laughs> Just pretty sure. Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's right or wrong. So as a Christian, the word of God is our truth. But who are we really? You know, we, we act one way and we are another way. Sometimes, like I said, I don't know about you, but I can feel one way and I put on a smile. Or how many times do you pass people in, in oh, smile, it's going to be okay. And they're like, okay. We're acting them, we're telling them to act one way. Now, don't get me wrong, even David said in Psalms, my hands will lift. I will raise my voice. I will do this. I will do this. He, he says to his own self, I will praise the Lord. In the midst of trials, I will stand up and do things. So there are times that we have to physically make our physical self, our spiritual being has to make our physical being say, no, you will praise God in this. In the middle of this storm, you will stand up. You will speak the truth. You will do the right thing. So we have to do things according to the word of God because the word of God is our compass. So why do we do what we do? What's the purpose in waking up in the morning? Extra early, by the way, this morning. Waking up early in the morning. Getting the kids ready, fed, off to school. You go to work. You do your thing. You maybe stop at the store on the way home. Hopefully you remembered your kids with you. You get back home. You make dinner. You take a shower. You get ready for bed. You go to sleep. You wake up in the morning and you do it all again. But what's the purpose? What's the meaning? Why? Why? Why are we doing what we do? Serve God. Spoken truth right there. To serve God. Everything that we do should come back to the word of God. Everything we do, everything we say we are, everything we talk about should all point back to the word of God. Our whole purpose, we were created to give glory to God. In everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we talk about, but we've made it so important to be so unique to stand out from the crowd, be different, shine like a star. Yes, okay. But make sure that everything you do gives glory to God. Make sure that the reason you're standing out is so that others will look at you and go, wow, God is amazing. Not to go, wow, that was amazing. No, God is amazing. Wow, I heard truth from what they said. Not, wow. They talk so eloquent. No, it has to point back to who God is. We were all created in the image of God, and yet we all vie for, for attention. We all want to be the best singer, the be best talker, the best parent, the best preacher, the best entrepreneur, the one who makes the most money. We all want to be the best. But at the end of the day, we were all created in God's image, and yet we still compete. A few years ago, I had a lady that I would talk to on the phone, and she was kind of like a mentor. She'd give advice, or we would just chat, and uh, she'd ask about how school was, and how are the kids, and how's church, and we just talk about life, and I looked up to her in, in a lot of what we talked about, and a lot of times we'd talk, and I would tell her the things, oh yeah, the school, we had 30-something last year, and now we're up to like 50, and she'd go, wow, that's great, and I'd always kind of laugh at the end, and I'd go, yeah, you know, I, I'm waiting for people to figure out I, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm doing it right. I don't know how it's working, but I, I guess something's going right. And we'd kind of laugh about it, and I'd hang up, but I, I was serious. <laughs> we, we'd laugh about it, but I was serious. I mean, I was, you know, I've talked about it before. I, was, I wasn't the smartest kid in school. I struggled to get C's. I had a hard time remembering stuff. I still have a hard time remembering stuff. And I mean, I don't even always remember that's Frank. I'm just joking. <laughs> I like you, Frank. And Victoria. <laughs> but, you know, I, I had a hard time growing up. And it was, it was, you know, if I got a C, I, I hung the moon. If I got a B, that was like getting an A and 100%. That was awesome. I was, I, I don't know, I graduated. I guess I was, I always joke I was that no child left behind. I was the first one you know, out the door, so that's good. Um, but, you know, as a kid, I even remember going to this girl's house in 10th grade. Her name was Megan. I can't even tell you where she lives. It's a two-story white house. And 
She says, oh, come over. We have a science test tomorrow, and we'll study. Just bring your book, bring your notes. Oh, okay. So I go over. We study for hours, like two or three hours. I go home. We went over everything. I mean, we memorized. We did flashcards. We wrote notes. We did so much stuff. So the next day in biology class, we take this test. She gets 100%. 100%. It was amazing. And I was like, yes, I got an F. I failed. I failed. I couldn't remember anything. I studied it all. I knew I studied it all, but I, I tried really hard, and it, it, didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> I, I did my best, but my best was clearly not up to par. But I, I graduated. I struggled. I graduated. I went to Bible school. I knew what I wanted to do. I went through all sorts of stuff. Went to Bible school, then went to a different Bible school. Then I came back home. I got married. We had a house. Then at 21, I was a widow. I was bankrupt. I lost my house. Worst yet, I moved back in with my parents. <laughs> I, it was hard, man. You needed a new mattress back then. It was bad. All right. <laughs> but I went through all that, and then I started working for this doctor, and I, I learned how to do medical building and I, billing, and I even remember at the time, he was like, hey, listen, I'll put you through medical school. And I was like, yeah, no, no. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'll type in numbers. You don't want to do that. That's a long road. So I didn't do that, and I, I get grossed out at Band-Aids anyway. So I, I did that for a while, and then I got hired at the church in 1998, and I was the receptionist. I answered the phone, and I was so bored. <laughs> Please call the church office more often. No, I'm just joking. I'm not there anymore. It's Alexis. Don't do that. Sorry, Alexis, wherever you are. Uh, so I started working at the church in 1998, started doing more things. Then we started a Bible Institute, and I was like, oh, I can do some of this. I have my Bible notes. I went to all this Bible school, so we did this, and it was, it was fun, and it was awesome. But even, even back then, I remember thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. I guess this sounds good, and everybody nods their heads and agrees, so I guess we're going to, yeah, we're doing this. And then I started doing media and graphics and video, and then I got married in 2001, and then we had kids, 2008, 2010, I became a mom. Now I'm a wife again, and I'm a mom. I don't know what I'm doing. They didn't give me a manual on that. So I kept kind of faking it till you make it type of thing. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, somebody's going to realize this, this is really bad. <laughs> like, it's going faster and faster. It's going to spin out of control. So then I, I went back. I came back, and I, I started working at the school. We had left the church for a couple years, and when we came back, the school was getting ready to start, and so I stepped in in 2016 to help after it had started, and I, which I thought was totally fine. I still think it's hilarious. That's like God's joke, because I didn't do good in school, and then God put me in school. That was really funny. So I always say, don't put me in the math class. I can read history books. I stop around second or third grade in math, so don't put me there. <laughs> And I help with the church finances. That could, that could be the issue. That could be the issue. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I'm going to move on. All right, so, so then I started my... <laughs> I get a raise this month. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I don't, don't worry, I don't get a raise. <laughs> and then, so then I started my own business called Holy Sheep because I thought it was really funny. If you say it wrong, that could be really bad. So people had to write checks to Holy Sheep. When I, when I would make a website or graphics or videos, that was kind of cool. Still have it if you're interested. <laughs> uh, and then I, I went back to working at the church at the same time doing the school. And so, you know, Steve and I are here. The girls are in school. Our principal leaves. And so now I'm the principal and running the school. And still all along... I, what? That's <laughs> a board member. <laughs> we love you, Ray. <laughs> and so th still all along I'm thinking, this ain't going to end well. <laughs> this is not going to go well. <laughs> and I remember being on the phone uh, kind of in the middle of all of that, and I had said to this lady again, you kind of laughed, but I said, I really, you, <laughs> you think I'm joking, <laughs> but I'm pretty confident I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I feel like I'm piecing everything together and like, woo, I hope that fits. And then it does, or maybe it does, and it crashes and bombs. or I don't know. I'm really worried. And instead of laughing this time, she said, you know, there's this thing called imposter syndrome. 
And I kind of laughed, and I was like, okay. <laughs> she goes, no, really, there's this thing called imposter syndrome. And it means this, the feeling that you are faking your way through something, even when you may be qualified for what you were doing or who you are. I'm not a big syndrome person. I don't hang my hat on syndromes or sickness or anything else. But I can tell you I looked it up and was like, Meh, okay, that kind of sounds right. But even then I was like, I don't know, is that just me being like, yeah, that's what it is. I'm really qualified. You ever do that? Like, yeah, no, I'm not qualified. Somebody goes, no, you're qualified. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, after that I started, I started feeling like God was like, you know, you got to figure out who you are. Who are you? Who do I say you are? Do I say that you aren't good enough? Do I say you're not smart enough? Do I say that you're this or that you're that? Because none of those seem to match what the Word of God says. And so I started, you know, picking up more on what the Bible talks about, ironically, the truth. So I started to realize that I am qualified not because of my abilities, because I fall short on a lot of that stuff, and, and not because... I am the best person around, although I think I'm pretty cool. <laughs> I have a lot of faults. I have a lot of things I've done wrong. I respond really bad sometimes in situations. I don't always do well under pressure, by the way, so don't push my buttons. No, I'm just joking. But I am not qualified for the job. However, when I put God in the mix, I'm qualified for anything God puts me to do. And this is what 2 Corinthians says. Paul says, each time he said, no, but I am with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Now I am glad to boast about how weak I am. I am glad to be living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and abilities. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I am quite happy about the thorn and about insults and hardship, persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him. When I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him. And you know, I realized at some point that I was spinning my wheels trying to make sure that I could learn enough, that I could understand enough, that I could be good enough, that I could look good enough, I can act good enough, I can talk the right way and do the right things. And yes, all of that is, is okay. I mean, it's not good to just sit down and wait for God to do something you're kind of the one God's doing something, so you've got to get moving. But I realized, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. I am not good enough. And once I came to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm not good enough. But God, I know you can use me. I'm not good enough, but I know if I put myself in a place that is usable, you will use every part of me, and then some. You'll make me say things that I don't even know how I learned it, You'll make me do things that I didn't know I could do. You'll make me go places I didn't know I belonged. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was told online that because I'm a woman, I shouldn't have a microphone in my hand. True story. But here's the thing. Does it matter? Because the person that told me was a woman, and at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure those are just people that don't have the courage to do things, and I don't have the courage to do things. I get all sorts of anxiety. I, I bite my nails, and... I tell you what, my thumbs are pretty short right now. <laughs> Same. But that's because that's who I am. That's not who Christ is. When I rely on myself, I am not enough. I am not good enough. I don't make the right choices. I don't even make the right decisions at school or church all the time. But you know, God has a way of coming behind me and somebody will go, hey, you should do. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to take it like it's mine. <laughs> Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who give me strength. It's not that I can do some things. Anything that God gives me strength for, I can do it. It doesn't mean I should go jump out of an airplane without a parachute because I can do all things through Christ. No. If God has called me to do something, if God has told me to do something, walk this way, talk this way, do this thing, then God will give me the strength and the courage and the ability to do those things. I've always looked at Bible people as these great heroes of extra faith. Oh, man, if only I could be like Abraham. If only I could be like Sarah or Ruth or Paul or Peter. Gosh, they had these, oh my gosh, their faith was amazing. And it was. It's just that it was written down as well. But this is them. Jacob was an imposter. 
Abraham was too old. Noah was drunk. Joseph was abused. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Timothy was too young. Isaiah walked around naked. Hopefully none of you are walking around naked. David was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Naomi was a widow. Job was bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Martha was a worrier. Zacchaeus was too short. And Paul was too religious. You know, I counted some of these beforehand, and I realized, like, nine of those. Pretty sure I am. <laughs> That's out of 17. I'm making my way up in the world. <laughs> but those are the people of faith in the Bible. Those are the people that we, that we go, man, they wrote that? I didn't even put Moses in there. Moses is one of my favorite Bible people. He stuttered. He talked funny. He was a murderer. He had anger issues. He didn't always trust God. He was old. <laughs> so many things. But he stepped out and did it when nobody wanted to do it. He was willing to say things that nobody wanted to say. He was willing to go places nobody else wanted to go. He spoke the truth when it was time to speak the truth. He trusted in God when God was like, no, this is what you got to do. And I don't know about you, but standing on the edge of a cliff and saying, we're all going to walk into the water. Well, the, the water hadn't parted yet. Okay. He spoke out of faith because he knew he wasn't good enough, but that's okay because the worse he is, the better God is. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, But this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. You know, even Apostle Paul struggled in 1 Corinthians. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I always read it like, wow, he was such a man of faith. Yes, he was an amazing Apostle Paul. But that verse shows me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Meaning that there's a part of Paul that you probably shouldn't imitate. Otherwise, he would have just said, imitate me. I am like Christ. No, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So he's saying, in those things that I know I do right, in those things where I say the right things, I do the right things because God is with me, imitate that. But the other part of me that I'm still struggling with my anger issues, my, my faith issues, don't imitate that. Just take what I know God does and imitate that part of me and be that. Because everything that we should do should fall back on glorifying God. Anything we say, anything we walk, anything we talk about, we think about, everything should point back to Jesus. That's your purpose. You can have talents and giftings. You could be the most talented singer you could be an artist. You can be an entrepreneur. You could be a millionaire, a billionaire. If you're here, you should tithe, by the way. I don't think that's, that's happening. You could be good with money, numbers, art, language, administration of your home or job, organization, encouragement, teaching, connecting others. You can be good with all of those things. You can even go, go to school and be better at those things. But in doing that, your whole purpose should be to point back to who God is. To point back to be able to say, I'm not enough, but look at what God has done in my life. Look at what the creator of the world was willing to do. I am so unqualified, but because Christ is with me, I am qualified. I am enough to do what God has called me to do. I can feel like an imposter, but old things are passed away and all things have become new. I know that in those times... I know who my God is, and I know my God's greater than anything I can or can't be. You will never find satisfaction in your life's purpose until your life's purpose is to glorify God. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I can't even talk. Which may glorify God glorify your father in heaven i'm just going to stop there that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven Whew, that was rough i need more coffee <laughs> but here's the thing newsflash none of us are good enough you are not good enough you are not talented enough you are not smart enough you are not qualified enough 
until you step into what God has for you, you cannot do anything to the fullest extent. And when you do, God will glorify you or God will lift you up in such a way that you can glorify him, which means your talents and your abilities, they will all raise to the surface because the whole point of what you're doing is to point back to Jesus Christ. Your money will go farther when you have Jesus in mind. Your strength will last longer when you spend it on things that glorify him. And your talent will be the most extraordinary when you give God the honor. First Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. In all things you say, in all things you do, it should glorify God. I'm not qualified to even be up here with a microphone, especially according to the lady online. I'm not qualified to run the school. I'm not qualified even to be a mom or a good good wife. But when I put my trust and my faith in God, he will lead the way and give me what needs to happen. A few years back, Sierra was eight, and uh, (laughs) they had these shows online that uh, like on Nickelodeon and Disney Channel that were all about like camping. And so she was big on like, oh, I want to go to a camp. I don't like camping. Steve likes it even less. So I, I volunteered to go with Sierra to this camp because she was only eight. And in order for her to go, a parent had to go. But in order for a parent to go, I had to sign up and volunteer as a camp counselor. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I am not qualified. I will never do camp again. Okay, so it's a week long, and they said, okay, you can, you can come, but hey, listen, when you applied, you said that you were a pastor, and you work at a school, and so we're going to put you as like an actual cabin counselor. Like, you'll have eight to ten kids. Okay. I mean, how bad, how bad can this be? One of them's mine. <laughs> So I go, and I have eight kids, eight girls, (laughs) eight girls for eight days, eight really long, actually seven days, really long seven days, night and day, night and day, night and day, night and seven times, just to get that out there. (laughs) It was bad. It was so bad. I won't go into all the details, but we had a, I had a camp counselor uh, helper (laughs) named Lucy, that we called Lucifer behind her back because she was crazy. And so, but she was supposed to be a helper. So seven days, oh my gosh, seven days we did this. And I was halfway through, I kept thinking I could, I could leave. I could leave. They don't know me. I'm in San Diego. But then I was like, all right, I can't do that. (laughs) I just got to tough this one out. It was hard. And so we get to the last night, and I'm like, even by then, Sierra was like, can we just go home? And I'm like, no, we can't go home. We signed up. I'm, I'm in charge of this, this. And I'm so unqualified. So the last night, it's this Christian camp, but not everybody there was Christian. I mean, and I get it. You know, we have school. Not everybody at our school is a Christian. They go because it's a good camp. They know the morals. They know they're going to get good stuff. So <laughs> they give me this stuff on the last night, and they say, okay, this is our last night of camp, so instead of having like a big camp thing together, um, you can go find a spot outside with your kids, you can do it inside, whatever you want to do, but you're going to do communion. And I was like, communion? (laughs) I don't even think most of these kids know Jesus, but okay, let's do communion. So they give me this loaf of bread, and they give me this juice, and they're like, just go find somewhere and take them out and and do communion. Like, Okay. So by our cabin, there's this little place in the field that was kind of like circular, and I think it's supposed to have a bonfire pit in the middle. It didn't, but it had these bleachers around it. And I was like, okay, the eight of us are going to go out there. About ten of us by then. Actually, my, my camp helper was not there. That's <laughs> probably a good thing. She would have manifested in the middle of the fire. Sorry. We didn't have a fire, and she wouldn't have manifested. I was exaggerated. <laughs> But anyways, I take them out. We all have our flashlights. I got this loaf of bread. I got this juice. So I set them all down. I'm like, okay, we're going to do communion. What? Uh, communion. Do you guys know what communion is? No. Okay. Okay. Well, communion, and I started explaining it. You know, it's 
remembering who Jesus is, and, you know, we, we take it to remember. You've never heard that? No, we, what? Half of them are like, well, I've never been to church, and one of them's like, I was baptized when I was a baby, and then another one said, my parents don't go to church. They just sent me here because they know somebody, and then I have Sierra, who's a pastor's kid, and somebody else is like, I think I got baptized last year, but I don't know why I got in the water. Okay, okay, so let's backtrack. So this one little girl goes, Miss Suzanne, why do we have to learn this God stuff anyway? I already felt unqualified, but I was like, okay, I got this. So I start, and I'm like, oh, well, okay, so God, and all of a sudden she goes, oh, my gosh, look at the moon. Look how bright it is. Can you see how bright? And then all these kids are like, oh, wow, and they're giggling, and they're laughing, and I'm like, I was going to tell you about God. So I quiet him down. I get him all back. Okay, okay, that's, that's cool. So I'm like, yeah, I'm totally unqualified for this. We just need to get this over with. So we keep... We keep talking. So as we keep going, I, I keep asking. So, okay, have any of you ever asked Jesus into your life? I'm like, no. Some of them are like, well, I don't know. I mean, I said I was baptized when I was a baby. And one was like, yeah, we prayed this prayer in Sunday school. They told us we all had to say it, and then they gave us a paper, said we got saved. But I don't know what that means. I was like, okay. And then they all start giggling. And then I have to rein. If you've ever had to rein in eight, eight-year-olds when they're giggling, it's really tough. By the way, I only got two kids, and eight of them. God didn't give that, so that's a good thing. So I rein them back in, and I said, "Okay, okay. So Katie, you asked like, why do we have to know this God stuff? And you were so amazed by the moon. And I said, "Look, see the moon up there. The 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 God that created the moon, like He wants to know you." And they were all, they all kind of giggled like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> and then I turned to another girl, Destiny, who was like our problem child in the camp room. And she was kind of a bully and she was mean to everybody. And I said, Destiny, you see like all the stars out there, like all the ones that don't fall down, like the God who did that, who keeps them all in the sky, he is the one that wants to know you. And they all kind of giggled like, okay. <laughs> whatever you ever seen a shooting star how come the stars are up in the sky why does it get dark at night they go off on these questions and I'm like no this isn't going well so they keep giggling and they keep going back and I'm like they're not getting anything this is this is bad so I pass around the bread I pass around the juice I'm like okay this is what the bread means this is what the juice means just drink it eat it blah 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 we pray and I said okay let's do this because I was like you can't fail on prayer right prayer is super easy I said so we all had a prayer request on a piece of paper I said, let's all stand in a circle, and we're going we're gonna to pray for the person next to us. So, Katie, you're going to pray for her, and she's going to pray for her, and we'll go around until we're done, and then we'll be done. We can go back to the room. So they're all giggling. You know, they're, like, doing this, holding hands, you know, how kids do. So we start, and we get, like, halfway through. I'm like, this is good. Like, they're praying. Like, some of them are a little awkward, like, God, help her cat. You know, stuff like that. So I'm like, it's okay. We're halfway through. And just as I'm thinking, okay, I got this, it goes to the next person to pray. And all of a sudden, really loud, so loud, in the middle of a forest, a girl farts. So loud in the middle of somebody's prayer. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then they all start giggling they're all laughing, and they're not holding hands anymore, and nobody has their prayer request. We don't even finish the prayer. Finally, I was like, that's it. Just go back to the cabin, get your stuff. We're going to bed. I left totally defeated, and I was like, I ain't ever doing that again. That was horrid. I'm so unqualified. This is not where I belong. And so over the next few weeks, I was like, I was really like, wow, I'm like, I'm from a school. Like, I, I'm at a church working around kids, and <laughs> some of these little demon kids, man, they didn't get saved. Until I felt like God was like, you know, you are unqualified. I was like, okay. <laughs> but then I felt like God was, but, you know, you put yourself out there. And someday Katie's going to look back and go, I remember the time we had this crazy lady. And Destiny's going to look back. I remember the time where this lady said that the guy who created the stars and the moon wants to know who I am. 
He said, but you don't know what the, what the ripple effect is. You don't know what's going to happen from here on out. You just know what I asked you to do and you did it. However unqualified you felt, I made you qualified. I was like, okay. I guess I'm almost, <laughs> almost enough. But as I kept going, I kept thinking, what else have I done that I haven't put everything into? And by everything, I don't mean by my talents and my abilities and my wants or my desires, but then again, kind of my wants and desires. Like how many times have I done something to get the glory, to get the fame for it, to get the accolades? When all along, what God called us to do, what God called us to be, what he told us to say, what he told us to act like, is supposed to just point back to him. Like how good is God in my life? I, mean, I don't know about you, I, I'm not worthy of being here, of talking. I don't deserve a lot of the things that God's given me, except for the fact that I put my faith in Christ. And I don't do it right most of the time. Sometimes I can sound really good, but a lot of times I'll walk away and even that self-doubt in my own head will be like, you know, <sighs> you know the right thing to say. You ever done that? You know the right thing to say. You've been in church long enough. You know how to make it sound good. But then I have those moments where I'm alone and I'm like, but if I don't have God, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. My ability is not going to get me very far. My smarts aren't going to get me very far. I don't know. I'd probably like to be a stand-up comedian someday, but I get really tired of that really fast. I hear comedy comes from tragedy, according to Steve, so I don't need any more tragedy, which means I don't need any more comedy. I'm not enough. Until I put myself out there and I go, I know what God has told me, and I know what he says about me. These are the things he says about me. We are more than a conqueror. We are a new creation. We are God's masterpiece. We are loved. We are forgiven. We are blessed. We are free. We are healed. We are alive. We are strong. We are never alone. I could keep going on and on. All of the blessings in the Bible, all the things that God did for others in the Bible that we read and are like, wow, if only God would do that for, no, God wants to do that for you. He wants to be your provider. He wants to be your healer. He wants to be the one that you depend on in every decision of your life, not to make you happy and to make you look better and dress better and talk better and be the most popular but it's so you can glorify God in everything you do. So that when people look at you, they go, wow, you must know Jesus. What's so different about you? What's so different about you? You know, I have people all the time come through the school for a tour. Like, oh, we've been to this school and we've been to that school. And I had a family last week. This lady comes through. She's got a kindergartner and she has a sixth grader. And she says, my sixth grader's having a hard time in school. She's getting bullied and... My, my kindergartner, I don't even want to put in school. I'm scared to do it. And I always, you know, I'm not against public school. We have some amazing people that work in public school. Amazing people. I give them props. They're out there in the, in the minefield. They're preaching the gospel. They're doing what they can. There's a lot of things I don't want my kids to know. I don't want them to hear. I don't want them to see. So I'm pretty careful when parents come and they take a tour. I don't ever want to talk down on anybody because I, I can't take everybody. And not everybody can come here. And I always tell them, if you can't come here, I'll help you find the best place to go. But I had this family come through, and she says, yeah, you know, I have a, I have a sixth grader. She's having a really hard time. And so we start talking, and I said, yeah, you know, um, we're a Christian school, so we suspend, we expel. But I said, at the end of the day, you know, we, we give academics, but first and foremost, I hire all of our teachers as ministers of the gospel because I want parents to know that their, their kids are going to learn the Bible. And that's the most important thing. They need to know math, and they need to know science and history and all the things I failed in. They need to know all of that stuff. But, you know, more importantly, they need to know who Christ is. And so your kids are going to come home, and they're going to hear about the Bible. So as long as you know, we teach the Bible. And, you know, she left, and she was like, man, I've been to a couple other schools today, some of them charter, but I've, I haven't had one school, even private schools, say, you know, first and foremost, we teach the Bible. So, you know, just know your kid's going to come home hearing about what the Bible says. And some of it you may not agree with, but you can read what we believe online and you can read it in the Bible. 
and I've had, I had a parent two weeks ago that enrolled a K-4 student. So I, I give the same spiel. Listen, we're, we're a school, but we believe in the Bible. We preach the Bible. I even, uh, you know, tell everybody I hire my, my teachers and so on and so forth. I said all this, and the lady says, oh, no, that's, that's fine. That's fine. And I said, okay, well, you know, just so long as you know, they're going to hear about the Bible. And she goes, well, what about the Bible? I said, oh. I said, well, everything in the Bible. I said, you can read our statement of beliefs online. You can read everything. Well, no, I'm fine with that. I guess that's okay. I guess that's all right. Well, I said, okay. Well, you know, we're a Christian church, so I guess it's okay. I mean, you're the one that has a place that's open. I said, okay. But, you know, I told the teacher when the little girl came, she came from a really hard family, had been with this grandparent for three weeks, was taken away from her parents, and I always tell the teachers, listen, they get seven hours a day, five days a week to hear the gospel. So when you teach them math, talk about Jesus. You know, God will multiply things. God will give back to you. When you talk about science, talk about the creator of the world. Talk about things that she's probably never going to hear again. That's what we're here for. In everything we do, glorify God. In everything you say, glorify God. When you leave here and you go live your life, you get out on Gerard and Stetson, don't be different. We're all going to be different in different ways. I get it. We have our moments. You smile when you're mad or you're sad. You're still going to argue. You're still going to have your times. But remember in all of those times who you are in Jesus Christ, what your purpose is. And your purpose at the end of the day is to be in the image of Christ, every single one of us. No matter your talent or your ability, no matter what you can or can't do, your purpose is to glorify Christ in all that you do and all that you say. It should all point back to who Jesus is. Everything we do as a church should point back to how good our God is. We should be that light on the shining hill saying, no, this is the place to go because God dwells here. God dwells not just here, but here in our people. Come, look at our people, talk to them. You're going to hear the word of God. Every single one of you is a minister. Every single one of you is a leader to somebody. You know, I tell kids that all the time at school. All of you are leaders. You may never be a leader that stands up with a microphone, but you may lead the person that's next to you. You may be talking to the person that's next to you that is following somebody else, and that may be you, so you better be a good leader. Everything you do should point back to Jesus Christ. So as we leave today, just remember, you are not enough. How's that to end a sermon? You are not enough. You are not qualified. But because of Christ, each one of you is more than qualified. You have every ability, every talent, every ability that God needs you to do, he will give you and make a way. He will go before you and make the crooked places straight. He will open doors that no man can shut, and he will shut doors that no man can open because it should all point back to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you stand as we close the service today? We always have people up front that are here to pray with you and minister with you, but just remember as you go this week, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, it should all point back to Jesus. Lord, we come before you. I thank you for every one of the people that are here today, the family that they're associated with. Lord, I just pray that you would make yourself so real in their life that no matter how they feel personally about themselves, they may feel like a fake, they may feel like they're acting, but at the end of the day, Lord, you are the one who gives us everything we need. You're the one that gives us breath to wake up in the morning, strength to do what we need to do, enough money, enough finances to do the work of the kingdom. So Lord, I pray you would continue to bless each one of us for the sake and the glory of you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. have a good week. Thank you for joining us today at DP City. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. And you could connect with us at dpcitypod at gmail.com. If you'd like to give tithes and offerings at DP City Church, you can do so on our website, www.dpcitychurch.com. We appreciate your support in this ministry and looking forward to seeing you on campus. Have a blessed day.